following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Sports, but we came here to win the most legit podcast. That's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news. We underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process. Yes, you, because we got Chris and Anju to bless you with the best features, best stories. We diving deep like a Lambo leap. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring. We on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the talk pound. In the cold, get a gold brand. Sit back and race the cat because we start this show like right now. Welcome to the Underdog, episode number 48. I'm Chris Horwardell, joined by Anchu Kana. Anchu, what's going on with you today? Not too much, Chris. How's it going with you over there in sunny California? Uh, today wasn't so sunny, actually. It's a little overcast. And can I tell you a little uh, dirty secret of mine? I'm kind of hoping for rain, Anchu. Oh, wow. Yeah, does that help your aching back? or? Well, my back does hurt, but this is unrelated to that. I, I would love to get uh, like three or four days of consecutive hard rain because uh, I've got the, uh, the grass growing in in the back. Grass has been dead since uh, early, I guess late June when we had a stretch of like five days when it was all 99 to 105. And uh, without a sprinkler system, the grass just, uh, it just sort of a suicide watch kind of deal. <laughs> And now we're starting to get it back, and I want to I want to use this winter since uh, we do have a nice little climate out here in California. Get the grass growing strong and have everything good for the summer. So uh, if uh, oh really, you don't hear people ask for rain much, but I, I wouldn't mind a little bit of rain. Okay, all right. Well, uh, yeah, I would take rain as long as it's not snow. I'll take any. <laughs> yeah, that's weird for me. I was I was talking to Alexa's brother the other day. And I was looking at the weather over there, and it was uh, it was snow in the forecast. And I don't even think of that as a possibility anymore. It must be nice. But uh, <laughs> I will say it was uh, it was like 60 degrees here in Chicago today, so it could be worse. I'm not going to complain too much. So let's talk a little bit of baseball here at the top. A couple of things I'm interested in. And I'm always looking for a bargain as a Phillies fan, and I think the Rangers might have got one here when they, they re-signed Doug Fister to a one-year $4 million deal. I love this deal for the Rangers. You know, Fister isn't the guy he was two or three years ago, but if he figures stuff out again, and there's no reason he can't be a quality back of the rotation innings eater kind of deal, 4.88 ERA with respectable 1.38 whip last year. And the nice thing is they also have a 19 option for 4.5 million. If if he does figure stuff out, that is a, that's a giant bargain for them. Oh, yeah. I, look, this is like a one-and-a-half, two-win player. I mean, I, I like Doug Fister a lot, and he was only uh, – what is he? He's, I thought he was older than he is. Oh, he's, he's young. What, he's like 32. He's like under 32? I mean, no, he's not 32. All right, well, let's, let's, let's see what the internet says. He can't be 32. Doug Fister. I thought he was like 36. I think he's 34. Doug Fister's 33 years old. Yeah, so that's, you know – I think he's 34 when next year starts. That's pretty good. Be. That's yeah. like, that's, um, you know, and like you said, back of the inning, back of the rotation innings eater, that's exactly what you're looking for when you're a contender, which the Rangers purport to be, I assume. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
really not not a bad pickup at all. And worst comes worst, if you fall out of contention, this is the exact kind of piece that you can flip for, oh, yeah. you know, a mid-tier, high, potentially high-ceiling type prospect. And, yeah, like he – I thought he had kind of a renaissance here last year with the Red Sox looking at, what, 0.9 whip? Is that what you said? No, 1.38. No. 4.88 ERA. 1.9 home runs per nine. Yeah, at yeah, yeah. 1.38 whip. So respectable respectable numbers. He had a really bad stretch to start Very the season, good. but uh, had a really good stretch to end it. So, you know, if you continue on that, this if this is a guy with, you know, honestly, even a 4.5 ERA, that's still fine for $4 million a year as long as he's starting consistently. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, judging by his war, his, his wins that he's worth, I would say that he's, worth about seven million so that's seven to eight million actually even though he's he's a little bit older i mean it's a nice little pickup uh for the red sox so and and i did or i'm sorry for the rangers and i Mm -hmm. think that you know he's definitely better suited for the al than the nl you don't want your older pitchers necessarily pitching in the nl i Mm -hmm. think and just in terms of like batting and running around but you know it's also the the lesser league probably so guess you could see it either way but I, I like to pick up for the rangers he's been a career like a lifer in the al basically except for a couple of years with the math if i'm not mistaken so oh, yeah. nice nice little pickup this is what you're looking for in the bargain bin at uh, free agency yeah you talk about potentially flipping him for a nice prospect i would say as a phillies fan aren't you i'd be willing to give up a former number one overall pick in the draft for doug fister oh yeah yeah is, is his last name something with a with a uh like a fruit Sounds like a fruit. Uh, oh, the exact, just uh, the exact letters of that particular fruit. But uh, yeah, <laughs> one Mark Appel, I, I would be willing to give up. I'll tell you what, I'm a little bit surprised that he uh, he cleared waivers, even at, even with a disastrous season I last am. year and some injuries. I thought somebody would take a shot. I, I absolutely did. Um, that was surprising to me. I actually thought the White Sox would be a team to look out for with these high ceiling types. But you're right, he's. He's really never flashed anything in the minors at all since, yeah. what, 2014, I don't think. So it's been a while since he's been any good. Even then, he wasn't very good. He was giving up home runs left and right. So Appel feels like, um, at least for now, a lost cause. About 20, well, he'll be 26 he'll be, years old. Yeah, he'll be 27 during next season. Yeah. I, I mean, he obviously has – he's got the raw tools, but – Guys just never put it together, and it's tough to trust it right now, even though he was the number one pick. Ahead of, was it Chris Bryant? Was that the draft that he went? Yeah, that doesn't really bother me so much since we didn't actually make the selection, but he did go above Chris Bryant. But he was a part to the deal that, who did you guys flip over there? Was it Giles. It was Giles. Oh, wow. Okay, so that wasn't too much. And he he came with uh, Velasquez and some others, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, he was actually included late, too, when there were some issues about Velasquez's arm, which ended up being warranted. And that took the the Fisher kid, Derek Fisher, out of the trade, which would have been the real win from this trade, ironically. Oh, man. Yeah, that really would have been. Fisher looks like uh, maybe, if not the gem, one of the gems in that Astros system that came up this year. So... Yeah, that would have been nice to have, but that's not really your issue, it seems like, right now with the Phillies minors. Yeah, but still, I'm happy to add Derek Fisher. He would probably be our top yeah. outfield prospect. Yeah, and, uh, that would be very nice. And you wouldn't be forced to, you know, you could have been a little bit more risky with taking a pitcher in the draft instead of going Hazley this year. 
It just True. opens it. Well, you know what? It didn't happen. And this was two years ago. We shouldn't probably spend too much time talking about the, the what could have been of the Ken Giles trade. But uh, let's talk about a sh- potential Chicago White Sox trade. I feel like this is something we've done quite a bit this year. The White Sox oh. making uh, one Jose Abreu available. What do you think he fetches in return? And do you think he gets traded? I really don't think he will. I I know for a fact that Rickon does not want to trade him. Mm-hmm. He's considered a key cog in the Yohan Moncada youth movement. Yohan sure. Moncada led youth movement, I should say. Just being able to, you know, he's obviously a native Spanish speaker and fellow Cuban. Um, and, you know, Aloy Jimenez is coming up too. He's another key piece of this whole future puzzle. But, you know, the reality is that Abreu doesn't really fit into their time frame. I mean, yeah. if you, it, Han has said 2019, 2020, they expect to be at full go. And, you know, Abreu at that point is 33, I think, or 34. And so, you know, he kind of – and his contract's up, so he would have to get extended before that, which is a possibility. And he's been just an incredible soldier on this team. But – his numbers last year and now over a three-year sample are very good. Um, last year he was maybe you know the second or third best slugger in the AL. Mm-hmm. There are definitely teams that could use him once the Giancarlo Stanton stuff settles in. Um, once some, you know that that yeah. gets settled, JD Martinez goes. I think that Abreu. You got to think Abreu gets you know a definitely a top five prospect from some team's organization and certainly a top. 50-ish overall player, which again, we last week talked about waves of talent. Mm-hmm. If you can add a guy to that second wave, you know, that's that's kind of what you're looking for for the White Sox, and uh, I can see them doing that. I mean, if the Rockies come calling, you know, they've got a lot of talent that's in their upper level, actually more in the first wave, that might be a team that you look at, um, and I think Abreu would just be a great get for any any team, really, especially ones with younger Latino players. Yeah, and considering what guys like Martinez are going to go for, I mean, I've seen $30 million thrown, over, thrown around for Martinez. Sure. Getting, mm-hmm. a, getting a Brayu for what? A Brayu's in second year at ARB this year? Yep, so yeah. Let's and say he, like, he opted out. No, he opted out of the ARB oh, did he? system. Yeah, okay. and he won. So it's worked out for him pretty well. Okay, so yeah, so he's going to be a bargain compared to compared to Martinez for sure. Granted, you know, Martinez is a little bit more versatile defensively than than the first base slash DH only Jose Abreu, but Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, a nice but, a nice little bopper to add to your system. Anytime you can pick up thirty, thirty five home runs in today's major league baseball, you're gonna take that. For like eleven million dollars. Yeah, that's like three mil three win two and a half wins worth of surplus value, even at first base where, you know, teams generally think they can find a bat, but Abreu has been so consistent and so good. Like, it's just – and he's such a steady clubhouse presence. And that's why I say I think that the White Sox would be very reticent to deal him for that reason because mm-hmm. he is so steady, because he's a perfect ideal bridge to the next era, that there's just some – there's some intangible value to that, right? I, I'm yeah. not sure what it is. I can't think of a great example, but I feel like there's – that that's tough to quantify. Yeah, I mean a four point seven war for Abreu last year that that puts his value at you know twenty plus million dollars. Oh yeah, yeah, I think that's better than JD Martinez or right there with JD Martinez. Which that's is a great question. Let's find out. 
I mean, yeah, and JD was hurt a little bit here and there, so I don't want to say it's definitely worth definitely more, but yeah, JD has yeah, only had one season of uh, of more than a four point seven war. It certainly wasn't last year. Uh, last year was a two point six, and like you know, you mentioned he was hurt. He only played sixty two games. That's that's certainly fair. But uh, 1.6 war the year before that, 1.8 the year before that, 5, 4.2, negative 1.3, negative 0.6. Only a career 13.7 war is actually not uh, – doesn't have the career war of uh, Jose Abreu. Wow. That's pretty shocking considering Abreu's only played four years. Um, but, yeah, he'll be 31. So you're looking at in 2020 he's going to be 34. Eh, like – yeah, what I, I mean, the good thing is his skills don't seem like they would evaporate, you mm-hmm. know, quickly. He's someone that should be able to hit well into his mid to late 30s, similar to maybe not quite the power of Edwin Encarnacion, but, you know, kind of similar, I would say. So, you know, that's that's the kind of guy that you want around. And again, if he's a positive impact on your clubhouse, you know, that might be a guy that they keep where they might deal someone like Avi Garcia instead. Mm-hmm. But yes, teams are barking around the Abreu tree. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they dealt him. Well, let's talk some hoops, aren't you? Uh, what do you think of this Dave Fisdale firing? Oh, man. So bizarre. Yeah. I mean, first of all, like, you read the Marcus All stuff and it's like, yeah, it's your typical, like, mm-hmm. discontented, malcontent veteran. That's his team isn't playing well, they'll get it together. And, you know, Fisdale had the hilarious data <laughs> rant last year uh-huh. against the Spurs. And, I, you know, I just felt like the players sort of rallied around him. And then suddenly you read the Gasol thing, then Woj says he's fired, Fisdale that is, and then LeBron comes to Fisdale's backing. I just don't really know what to make of this. What, what do you know about, like, Fisdale with his players and how this all went down? Well, before we get to that, let's. I want to address this since you mentioned LeBron, and I wish this would have happened last night when LeBron was just carving up my 76ers. But LeBron James, about 10 minutes ago, Anshu, was ejected for the first time in his career after arguing yeah. a non-call against the, uh, against the Heat. And it's worth pointing out the Cavs were up 23 points in the third quarter when this happened. Oh, my God. I wonder if that's, like, his way of trying to light it up to you. Like, nothing LeBron does is not calculated, you know? Like, every single thing that he does has some meaning. It, I, I feel like that. I I don't know why, but I feel like there was some subtle hint to it. I, I think you might be reading – watching this play, I think you might be reading a little too much into that because this is – it seems like he creates a lot of contact on a drive, sort of goes into – I didn't see who the player was. I'm waiting for it to loop back around the player's shoulder and expected a foul called. And, well, one thing LeBron is, if uh, nothing else, is uh, is entitled. This, uh, is, yeah. this was James Johnson. It looks like LeBron creates a lot of contact, expects a foul to be called, misses the shot badly, and then uh, has some very harsh words for the the nearest official <laughs> before being ejected and heading into the locker room for a, an early night for Mr. James. Oh. Wow. That's surprising. Well, he's getting, I don't know. getting I, cantankerous in his old age. It, it's possible. I mean, he had good reason to be earlier this year. I think that they've kind of got since gotten their stuff together, but yeah, yeah I, I could see it. I could see that happening more and more over time. 
Uh, Fizdale, though, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It seems like him and Gar- him and Gasol did not like each other. But man, there's a lot of big time players who are coming to hit, coming to Fizdale's aid here. LeBron obviously spoke up. Wade spoke up. A lot of people love Fizdale. He this is a guy who's done a great job with this team the past couple of years. Really turned Memphis into a solid team in the Western Conference. And you know, I don't think there were any real expectations that they were really gonna contend for a spot in the West this year in the playoffs. It's just not that kind of roster. I don't know what the plan was here to shake things up. My only thinking is, you know, maybe maybe the situation between he and Gasol really was getting untenable. And maybe this is just the first step in the the Grizzlies kind of blowing everything up and look maybe looking to deal certainly Gasol, potentially Conley and and whoever else they could get value for. But I mean wasn't this about Gasol versus Tisdale? When I saw this happen, it, it struck me as like, this is them catering to Gasol mm-hmm. and to Conley and basically saying, all right, Tisdale's gone. Put in, is it Bickerstaff? <laughs> who's, who came, who's coming in now? Bed coach? It's like a veteran. Good question. Um, and then I think that... Um, I just feel like they're they're not they're not blowing it up yet. Like I feel like they're trying to I think they're trying to reclaim this season and that's what they're doing with with firing Fizdale now instead of you know waiting till the end of the year. Uh so it is JP Bickerstaff and I'm not sure why this is important for me to know. And actually I believe LeBron can get fined for this. Uh, apparently LeBron immediately went onto his phone, went onto Instagram and liked the post from Odell Beckham Jr. And uh, as players aren't allowed to be on social media during the game, I think LeBron gets fined for this. Really? Even if they're ejected from the game? I believe he's getting fined because I know you can't do it at halftime either. Okay. Yeah, I I, mean, for sure. It's not not going to cost him too much regardless. I think he'll (laughs) still be okay. He's got that that train wrecked money, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah. He's in another movie coming out soon too. That's uh, yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm just gonna side note. That was yeah. a really good movie. He was really good in that. I mean, I don't know if the movie was really good, but I I enjoyed him in that film. Well, I thought they did a really good job with everybody. I thought Cena was great in it, but yeah, uh, I, I don't. Oh, I'm not an Amy Schumer fan, so yeah, that, that wasn't super easy for me. I'm looking to see what this uh, upcoming film LeBron James is in. Yeah, I just saw a commercial for it. Yeah. Okay, it let's see. One LeBron James, his next film will be uh well, I mean the no, the Walls the TV series, Cleveland Hustle Survivor. I think he's like he's like a cartoon voice or something actually, I think. Uh he doesn't have anything listed at all for 17 as per IMDb. No. But he's got uh, Space Jam 2, which he is uh, an executive producer of on course. right now. And he, let, let's not kid ourselves. He will, he'll will be starring in. Uh, he's got a uh, Muhammad Ali documentary coming up in 2018, of which he's also an EP. And uh, wow. a, t- a TV show called Best Shot, in which he is also an EP. <laughs> okay. So yeah, he's, that's He's in the I'm producing game, for sure. Maybe, maybe I dreamed it up. Hey, I mean, if someone in the comments see. wants to confirm what I was thinking, please <laughs> back me up. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with uh, with this Grizzlies team, though. It's a it's a weird team. I mean, how how long do you want to hang on to this? Because the the worst thing to be in basketball is a team that's competing for that eight that eight seed. 
Oh, a hundred percent agree. I mean, if it, you know, if it was me, I would have started to trust the process long ago with a team like that. Like if you're in hell, you're, I mean, that is basketball hell, that eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th area. Yeah. And especially in a Western conference where you really have no hope of even advancing, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe around, but you know, it's, it's not going to be good. So I would be, I would be looking at the rumor that I saw with Gasol and possibly Tristan Thompson and that Brooklyn pick, that would entice me a lot if I'm Memphis for oh, sure. Man. First of all, Tristan Thompson stinks. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know but if I want that contract, but that's if, just the salaries. I yeah, assume. I know. I, I get it. But is, is Gasol worth potentially the number one pick in the draft? I, if I'm, no, if I'm the Cavs, no way. But okay. Grizzlies, absolutely. Well, yeah, oh sure, for sure. Like, no better way to restart uh, yeah. a franchise. But what yeah. kind of what kind of protection are you putting that on? So they can only. Well, I mean, they have okay. So they have that pick regardless. Is a top three protection good enough for you if you're if you're Cleveland, or do you, is this got to be top five? Mm, oh, if I'm Cleveland, yeah, because uh, they're not trading an unprotected I mean, pick from Marcus Wool. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would say top. Yeah, five. If we're talking about a five-player draft, assuming Porter returns or is still in that area, I would I'd protect it to top five. I think Gasol might be the difference between it being close and it being a lock for them to win that conference. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I'm there. I, I would do that. I think well, that they, he's – Go ahead. Sorry. How much better is he than Tristan Thompson for what they do, though? Oh, like, considerably. If the end game, but if the end game is beating Golden State – like, what role is Marcus Hull playing in that series? Well, I mean, he is somebody that they don't. Golden State doesn't have anyone to guard. Playing Gasol forces them play, forces Golden State to play what? Javel McGee, uh, Bogut. Who I'm not is Bogut even there? No, what's his name? Uh, Zaza forces Zaza, forces yeah. Golden State to keep Zaza on the court. Not really though, because they can just dictate Gasol out of that game. Because now you got you got Draymond at the five. It's like. The Cavs aren't going to leave Marcus all out there, um, you know, on Draymond at the five. I, I mean, that's just going to be a disaster. Right, but then Cleveland can also try to bully ball against the against Golden State. So that's a really interesting sort of dichotomy of styles of play there. I don't. I mean, they can try. I don't see that happening. First of all, they don't have Kyrie anymore to dictate pace. But assuming LeBron's the one that dictates it, well, you, you know, also have Isaiah Thomas. Really yeah, Who, who's yeah, gonna I give know. up? Who's gonna score thirty and give up thirty five? <laughs> I don't know if he's scoring thirty with this team, but uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I I think that the idea of playing bully ball against the Golden State is interesting because you can you put a front line of LeBron, Love, and and Gasol out on the court, and I think Gasol shoots well enough to stretch the floor so that it, the driving lanes aren't completely aren't completely clogged. Oh, that's interesting. I I wouldn't. I wouldn't give up My, that. I wouldn't give. Yeah. I, I might do it if it's. I might do it as top three, not top five. Because the problem with top five is, I'm not sure why Memphis does it anymore. If you're making this trade for like Miles Bridges or somebody like that, right, but, right. But well, top five this year and then unprotected after. Oh yeah, it wouldn't be unprotected. Right. right. It it's it's Cleveland's year. pick oh. at that point. Yeah, actually, you're right. I don't think if I'm Memphis, I don't think I do any protection. I don't think that gets me there because I could get a guaranteed lottery pick from somebody else, even if it's an older 
you know, or like a rookie or so somebody will give me something or a future pick that's guaranteed to be a lottery pick that, that suddenly turns into nothing for right. Memphis in a hurry. Well, let me tell you so, the thing, the thing Memphis has to be hoping for here is they have to try and drum up uh, a bidding war between Cleveland and Boston. Yeah, right. Exactly. Cause actually Marcus Hall would be such a great fit with right. Boston, but you know, I, I also don't know. I, yeah. That would be a great fit for Boston. They we've talked a lot about how much they need someone in the front court. He would be so good with, you know, him and Horford combined. That would that would pretty much take care of your low post issues if you have any. So yeah, you might have to give I, up I mean, Horford though. I'm not. I'm just trying to make, think about how contracts are going to work. Yeah, and I'm not sure. I mean, obviously you could do that if you want, but Horford's been kind of a revelation this year for them. The Horford. The Horford lineups have been huge for the Boston this whole season. Yeah, I'm so Horford. Wow, Horford actually makes a a ton of money. I did not. Yeah. I mean, maybe not in today's NBA, but so Gasol makes twenty two million this year. Uh, Horford makes twenty seven. Uh, <laughs> oh boy! Without without Horford, you can't make this trade. Um, mm. because. Oh God! I mean, unless they, unless Cleveland or um, Memphis wants to take back a couple bad deals, so you would have. If you don't include Horford, it has to be Marcus Morris at five, Marcus Smart at four point five, Baines at four point three, and then I mean, what is the appeal of that trade for Memphis? Uh, you get Marcus Smart back. Yeah. No, yeah, you need a pick. Yeah, a and pick probably multiple picks in that scenario. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that one's going to work. I, I mean, I think it's Cleveland or bust. And I, I, at least from those two teams, I don't know who else is in need of a big man that's competitive enough to want to give up. You know, a top either a young asset or a first rounder mm-hmm. um, that's even worth anything to Memphis. So, I like if you do Tristan in the pick unprotected. I'm, I get it. For I actually understand that kind of for both sides. I, I actually no. Cavs doesn't make any sense for the Cavs because no. it doesn't make you better enough. Yeah, no, it doesn't, and it just it strips you of all future assets. Right, like the whole point in trading Kyrie was to get LeBron his sidekick, ideally for you, assuming LeBron stays, which who knows? But you know, at least you get the future of your franchise in this draft. Now you know you're dealing that away for a couple of years of an aging big man in a league that increasingly devalues those types of players. Yeah. If LeBron leaves, are you excited about a lineup of Kevin Love, Jay Crowder, Isaiah Thomas, and Marcus Ole? <laughs> in a word, no. <laughs> I mean, that's probably in, still, that's probably still a playoff team in the East, but, Oh yeah. But that no is doubt. not, that's no not doubt. an exciting team. No, that just hands the conference over to, you know, Philadelphia. Philly and yeah. Milwaukee and Boston. <laughs> well, that's the nice thing is I don't think there's a hand the conference over to anybody at this point. And it, I mean, no, it's it's clearly it's clearly Cleveland and Boston. I know Cleveland struggled a little bit the early part of the season. Part of that was Derrick Rose, who was apparently a nightmare for that team. I don't get oh. it, but uh, just just horrible. You know, actually, what what's the deal with Derrick Rose? I saw a crazy stat today that per hundred possessions. Rose is LeBron James' worst teammate of all time. 
with the, 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 the Cavs were outscored by 10.9 points per 100 possessions when the two of those guys shared the court. Well, did you see that he's thinking about not playing anymore? He's thinking about just walking away. Yeah, so I don't know what is up with him. He's clearly not what he was, and he's in his own head. He's always been a very bizarre character, and I just yeah. hope he – I honestly just hope he's not, like, super depressed. Like, just yeah. looking at him and, the like, when you read his comments, he seems extremely uh, bipolar. Like, yeah. he's – some of the stuff you read is kind of scary. So, I you know, I just hope he's all right. Shades you know, of like a Demetrius if, Underwood. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, he's got his son, so if nothing else, he should take, you know, some solace on that. But, yeah, like, and then the whole sex scandal thing is really just odd and creepy. And I don't know. I'm, 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 the Derek Rose thing, that star has really fallen. Yeah. And this was LeBron's pet project this year was he was going to get Rose paid. Mm, yeah. Didn't yeah, maybe out. the magic isn't what it was. Yeah, did not. So what, the problem with Rose is he can't shoot, and the guys who tend to look really good playing with LeBron are guys who can shoot the basketball. Yeah, that's right. And he and Wade can't, and they're no. both. You know, they were last night. Bigger. Last night he could. Yeah, yeah, he still occasionally can flash his old flash, so to speak. But yeah, not any, not 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 with the same consistency, obviously. So, like I said, uh, the, Rose, the all-time worst teammate with LeBron, outscored by 10.9 points per 100 every time they're on the court together. Anshikana, who is the best teammate for LeBron James per 100 possessions? Wow. And this is, this is an all-time thing, but I will tell you that, that this player has been on the Cavs within the last three years. Okay. Kevin Love? It is not Kevin Love. I'll give you one more shot. Uh, Delhi. It is not the answer. <laughs> so the all-time best player when paired with LeBron James they per are? 100 possessions is, and I believe it after watching him last night, Channing Fry. What? Channing Fry and LeBron James outscore opponents by 32.9 points per 100 possessions. This is the 2016 wow. season. Uh, went on the court together, and I will uh, one quick follow up, one strike to this question: Who is the who is the second best player all time with LeBron James? Oh man, yeah, I haven't mentioned him. Obviously, um, was he a Cav? Cav was what? Was he a Cav? Yes, he was. Um, sorry, I'm trying to make an educated guess. Kyrie? Okay. okay, so I will. like I said, 2016 Channing Fry. he and LeBron are plus 32.9 points per 100 possessions when they share the court. Number two on that list, this season, with uh, these two are plus 31.2 points together when playing Channing Fry. <laughs> wow there's some yeah. magic in those Channing Fry moments apparently yeah I'm guessing there's been like 8 minutes where they're both on the court Channing Fry killed us last night Channing Fry and Kyle Korver just with daggers against the 76ers last night we had it to we had it to a 2 point game 2 or 3 point game in the 3rd quarter 
and look up like three minutes later and it's a 10 point game and it, it would never get closer than that. We ended up losing by like 20. Yeah. And it was Corver and Fry with huge threes. Mm. Yeah. The Cavs are good, man. They're going to, they're going to win the East. Yeah, no, I agree. They absolutely are good. And that's why I was never concerned about this kind of struggling start to the season because that's what they do. You can't worry about it. And plus they get Isaiah back. They're saying now he's going to be back in December and you know that's going to spark this team. That's going to bring a lot of energy. And this is a team without a lot of energy right now. Everybody's going to look better because you have another scorer on the court, and people who were maybe shouldn't be playing so much now won't have to play so much. You know, I won't mention names, but he played with LeBron in in Miami. Um, so that'll be good. That, 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 this is a good team. You're right. They're going to win the East, and uh, then LeBron's going to leave, and uh, it'll be a disaster. But there's another <laughs> another player due back in uh, apparently late December is Zach Levine. How are you feeling about this? I feel good about that. I mean, look, I'm all for the tank, as you know. Yeah. So to that, to the extent that they're going to probably win more games, I'm not excited about it. Mm-hmm. But I am excited to see him and Markinen playing together because Markinen's been able to keep this up for the most part, and. Mm-hmm. If you add Levine to that and start dreaming about that top three pick that they're likely to get and the way that those guys are playing right now and the opportunity that they're going to have to get one of those players next year, mm-hmm. it's, it's starting to form the vague outlines of something interesting in the next two or three years. Well, I want to talk about, I want to talk about this NBA draft a little bit, but before that, we are going to take a super quick break. Uh, we're going to be right back. Anshu, once again, I'd like to thank MyBookie for sponsoring the podcast this week. Uh, Like I said last time, I can't say enough good things about MyBookie. It's a site I use, a site I trust, and definitely a site I look to when I'm trying to earn a little bit of extra holiday money. MyBookie is a place to score serious cash on your sports predictions. Let's talk about this week's NFL games. Which game will you be betting on to win some money this weekend at MyBookie.ag? I will be betting on the New Orleans Saints to cover four against the Panthers at home. The Saints are just absolutely on fire right now. I'm feeling them. I I don't know about you, Chris. That that feels like a a guaranteed win for me. You're not worried about the Saints game last weekend, the loss to the Rams? No, I'm not. And, in fact, that kind of emboldens me. I think the Panthers are a clear tier below those teams. And I think that that game got the Saints ready. and, And, you know, they're always tough in the Superdome. This game should be minus six or seven, I think. So I like the Saints to cover those four points. While this season of the year means plenty of parties, gifts, and spending, it also means there's lots of football, basketball, and hockey games. You can score big on every day and earn some extra money. They have odds on every matchup and a mobile site that makes wagering on your smartphone a breeze. Me, personally, I'm always looking to double my cash overnight, and I use my bookie to do it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an incredible site that everyone should take advantage of. I've got... The mobile browser open right now on my phone. It's just so easy to use, and I've used several sites, I'll be honest, but this one's my favorite. I couldn't agree more. Man up and play like the pros on game day. You can play the money line, the side, or the total. MyBookie is your hookup for all your betting needs and offers super fast payouts when you win. We have a nice bonus exclusively for our listeners. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus if you use the promo code UNDERDOG at sign up. That's right, Chris. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. 
that's not all, Ancha. We do have another sponsor to talk about today. And these guys are great. <laughs> I see what you did there, but bad puns are my thing. Lay off. Yes, indeed they are, Chris. But, of course, we're talking about Grace, Brooklyn's first sneaker company, offering both men's and women's styles. Have you seen Marshawn's new shoe over there at Grace? I haven't. How's it look? Oh, man, they are incredible. They're clean, white, little hints of gold in there. They're suitable only for Beast Mode himself and for you if you're interested. The Beast Mode 3.0 will be available on Black Friday, November 25th at 12 noon Eastern. Well, I'll definitely be checking that out. Grace was kind enough to send us each over a pair of shoes, and I can't say enough about mine. What did you think? I'm wearing mine right now. They're super comfortable, stylish. They're really just a beautiful pair of shoes. Everything you could possibly ask for. Well, all of our listeners should head over to greats.com to check out greats. Classic styles made the best for less. Some of the best sellers include the all-leather Royale lace-up and the Wooster slip-on. These shoes are the perfect gift for your loved ones this holiday season. Save 15% on your first purchase using promo code UNDERDOG. All right, Anshu, we're back. Thanks again to both uh, greats.com and mybookie.ag for sponsoring the podcast once again this week. And as I said before the break, I want to I talk a little NBA draft because, you know, we do it every week and people seem to like it. And God knows I do. So right now, for the first time all season, Mr. Kana, the Chicago Bulls find themselves all alone with the worst record in basketball. Congratulations. But so I'm interested here. I'm over at Tankathon, which uh, who does not sponsor the podcast, but should, since considering how much we mention them every single week. <laughs> hey, let's keep them free, honestly. Whatever it takes. They're, he's so good at that. So I don't know. If Matt wants to send a check, Matt can send a check. But... Matt, question: has the Chicago Bulls, with the number one pick, selecting DeAndre Ayton? Yeah. Come on, Matt. It's ridiculous. No, it's, uh, if they got, I, I, you know, first of all, Arizona's been kind of a shocking disappointment here earlier this year. For sure. They're my dark horse to to take this whole thing down, but I, you know, I, I don't, I like what I've seen of Ayton, but he seems the most raw of those three I guess that are actually playing if yeah. you take Porter and Doncic out of the equation and even if you include Doncic I'd say he's, he's clearly the most raw of the four I'm surprised at how more how much more polished Bamba looks than him I was yeah. expecting Aton's game to translate much better and Bagley Bagley's just got that sort of air about him to me I, I just don't know how you pass up on him but we'll, we'll see as the season goes on obviously Duke's had some some struggles here early but yeah, I'm not here for Aton at number one or two or probably even three at this point. Mm-hmm. You watch this this Texas team? I'll tell you what, I I do love me some Mo yeah. Bamba. Yeah, you know Bamba was a distant fifth to me. I actually yeah. kind of thought of this as a four player draft. I'm I'm off of that. I I right now Bamba's got the edge over Aton to me just slightly. Um, those two will probably jockey for position throughout, but I still don't know. I know you're not like super sold on Bagley all the time, and he's shot a little more than I'd like for him to, but I just feel like he's going to grow into that whole everything, and I'm all about Bagley right now, and Duke looks so good, so that kind of rubs off on me too. How much have you watched Duke play this year? 
Uh, like a game and a half, probably, honestly, not like a ton, but I've, they've been on so much. They're like yeah. almost oh, every game is on TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was, uh, we talked about this a little bit with Sam Darnold. Can I tell you, I don't know if Marvin Bagley looks like he's 6'11 to me. Oh, wow. He doesn't look 6'11 to me either, actually, but I, I think that's okay. I think he might be, he could be high 6'9s in the 6'10 area. And uh, the problem with that is a bull. How do you take Bagley if he's, you know, if he's 6'9 without shoes and play him at center? I don't think you need to play him at center. Where's Martin in play? play uh, you can play him both. Hey, look, I don't, I don't stick to these antiquated positional norms. My somebody's got to, somebody's got to rebound the basketball. And somebody's got to guard the big guys. And well, they're like, not that's gonna, not going to be marking go, it. They're not going to do that. They're just going to ignore the whole rebounding thing. Okay. No, I think you got. I think you got to put bag. You got to think of Bagley and Markkinen playing together, along with a center, like a true center, generally like a Lopez or somebody else. So Lowry Markkinen's playing the three here. No, I. Boy, I think you got to think about Bagley as kind of your three. Honestly, shooting ten percent from the center. outside. How much is he shooting? I think he's shooting. Oh, no. You're, it's Bomba shooting 10%. Bagley shooting 30%. Yeah. Okay. I Well, regardless, I don't see Bagley turning into Durant or anything, which no. he would like to be, I'm sure. But he, Yes. Um, I think he's. I think Bagley is like a true – look, you, that's a problem you'd like to have down the line, honestly. I think you just take the best player and go with it. I know Markkinen seems like like a legit starter on a good team. On a, maybe even a championship team, but I don't. I don't think you're even close to the position right now where you're thinking, "Oh, this guy's redundant," because they're they're really not redundant skill wise at all. No, only positionally. Like actually, yeah, but again, like I think you're. I think you're a little too attached to that right here. But one the, of you. Okay, I agree that there's there's some ambiguity in wings and bigs, but you do in fact need a big. And who is who is the big in this scenario? That I, you wait, you'll figure it out. You figure that out down the line. Look, I mean, they're not going to be good next year, so you can take a shot. But I, I don't know. That's just as. And let me tell you what: as a fan of a team who drafted center, 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 it, you you look back on it and regret it. You consider the I, other options that could have been made. I think that for that, I totally agree. But I also think that uh, center, center, center is very different from swing for stretch for you know like i I mean i don't even i don't even really think of bagley as a bagley's under 200 pounds right now like he is not a a 220 i i believe he's 220 okay i i think that he doesn't he's he'll fill out to that but right now he's not there either i don't know like let's just wait and see let's just see what happens man i i would totally take him though i don't let marketing be like my the reason why I take Doncic or someone if that's not who you have number one. I'm gonna head over to one of Matt's competitors uh, as a out, out of respect for Matt, I will not mention their name. But that's why you got to pay us, Matt. You, no kidding, or I will start mentioning their names. Uh, <laughs> so I get, it looks like the most recent measurements I'm finding here, and this is. This is not Draft Express. I don't know if Draft Express is going to update measurements anymore. But is this going to be irrelevant? Because Bagley was six nine and a half without shoes in in twenty fourteen, and he weighed two hundred eight pounds at that point. So I'm gonna I'm gonna check out Draft Express super quick. 
and wow. Okay, those are trending players. Those are, those are not. Uh, those are not the top players. Otherwise, uh, Costas Antonacumbo would have been number two on the list, and that that seems like a stretch. <laughs> so, they the most recent measurement they have from Bagley was the 2016 Nike Basketball Academy. And at that point, he measured six ten and a half with shoes, which is actually what he measured in twenty fourteen. So mm. he may be six ten and a half with shoes, maybe six nine and a half without. And I buy that looking at it. But he weighed two twenty one in uh, twenty sixteen. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's a little bigger than I expected. Just looking at him, he seems lankier than that. But he does look skinny. Yeah. Uh, well, he's going to fill out, though. He, you can tell that he, he seems like he's going to fill out. He's not like a Durant in that way. Yeah, a little bit of breaking news here. Uh, one, one, Mike Gundy staying at Oklahoma State, but two, wow, uh, Mississippi State has hired their new head coach, and it is Penn State offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead. Really? Okay. Really? I don't like it. It, it hurts, hurts, uh, hurts my Nittany Lions. Yeah. Um I don't think you got much to worry about there. <laughs> I don't either. And I mean, also, I don't know what the team's going to look like next year when Squan leaves. So that's fine. And yeah. also, it's not really my team. It's just sort of the closest good team to where I grew up. And uh, whatever. I don't really care that much. I'd like to see him do well, but uh, I'm not going to lose sleep over Penn State struggling. I don't yeah, know. This agreed. Is, this is a weird situation, though, with uh, for Chicago. You're right. You can't pass. You know the only player I would pass up uh, Bagley for is Doncic. But... Uh, I, I oh God, I love Doncic, but Bagley, yeah. is super, Bagley is super talented. Bagley is uh, he's relatively young for this draft class. He is going to get bigger, going to get stronger. He he needs to learn to play his role a little bit more. And, and I, it's weird that I'm about to say what I'm about to say, but I kind of wish he went to Kentucky because Ooh. Kentucky is so stringent on how they ask their big men to play. You know, they mm-hmm. force Towns to play in the post. Uh, yep. and, and all of that stuff. I kind of wish Bagley was getting that sort of coaching right now rather than bringing the ball up the court and making an aw- like awful and uh, ill-conceived pass to a player who's not in a position to score to kind of <laughs> stall the offense a little bit. Yeah. But, but there's a ton of tools with Bagley, no question about that. Yeah, he just needs to cultivate all that. And I don't think the Bulls are necessarily the best fit for him for that reason, but he's got someone's got to bring all of that into focus. If he ended up on like the Celtics, boy, that would be just stop. That would be unfair. Well, that's not the fear. The fear is Mo Bombo and the Celtics. Oh yeah. Well, there's not many ways they can go wrong there. I mean, they're not taking a ton because they already have two a tons, but I don't know. know. Why do you think they don't take a ton? If that situation plays out? I mean, if he's the only one left, yeah, you obviously take him, but the two a tons, I mean, I think Jalen Brown is like an Aton clone, so what I don't do really mean? see why you'd take you Aton. And that's was it. I don't. I don't understand. Jalen Brown is a, a six foot seven defensive minded shooting guard, and Aton's a big seven foot two hundred and fifty shooting guard. Hell, I I absolutely think he's a shooting guard. Jalen Brown. At, at worst, he's a small forward. He's certainly not a power forward. Oh, I I think he could definitely play playing the four for them. He's starting at the two. Is he really? Jalen yeah. Brown? Yeah, but they've been oh, starting really? Tatum at the three. Okay, who's starting at the four? Uh, Horford and then Aaron Baines. Ugh. Yeah, Yuck. that center position would okay. be upgraded. 
But uh, I know Jalen Brown was playing the two. Yeah, Jalen, he actually looks really good. He's uh, he's tightened up his handle, which was one of my big concerns about him last year. I was a little mm-hmm. bit worried in summer league when uh, that first game when the Sixers played the Celtics in the Utah summer league. I was worried because uh, Jalen Brown looked like he had really stepped up, and uh, you know we hadn't seen you know Ben play yet, so you start worry about did you make a mistake? Jalen Brown is shooting forty one percent on four point six threes a game. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he's uh, uh, he's turned into a really really nice player, and he he has quickly yeah. become one of the best defensive wings in basketball too. This this is a good yeah. basketball player, and uh, it kind of drives 54% me a little bit. Fifty four percent effective field goal percentage. It's pretty good. Fifty nine percent free throw shooter. What the hell? Weird, right? We're seeing a lot of this in basketball, and it seems like everybody just wants to shoot threes and dunks, and nobody's actually worked on free throws growing up. And this, maybe this is part of the AAU culture too. Yeah, that could be. I don't know. I mean, you gotta you gotta be able to hit free throws if you can hit a three. That's just, it's weird. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I mean, statistically, he would almost be better off taking his free throw from three point <laughs> three point range. <laughs> Literally, yeah, almost. Uh, but yeah, it's a good team. I don't, what do you think? Okay, how much? Yeah, college, you're right. Then. How much college basketball you've been watching? Decent amount, not a ton, but a good amount. I've been paying attention. The PK eighty thing was a really fun new tournament. I assume it's a one year. And done situation, but we'll see. We'll see. Good we'll see, group. A couple of a uh, couple of interesting players came out of nowhere. And but actually, before we get to that, did you catch Colin Sexton and that Alabama team playing three oh on five? Uh, all right. So I was obviously that was at the same time as the Iron Bowl. Yeah, and it was during one of the commercial breaks where I popped up on Twitter, and it was like Alabama's entire bench has been ejected, and I was yep. like, what? Like I thought they were going to come back from break, and there would just be like Jalen Hurts and nobody else on the. Yeah. Field. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So I was like, oh, sh-. yeah, you know. And so, uh, yeah, but it looked like Colin Sexton really held his own in three on five. Oh, he played great, and and actually cut into the deficit. That's unbelievable, and that's a ranked Minnesota team too, like yeah. a top fifteen team. So no slouch in that. That's that's an impressive job by Alabama. Yeah, I would not mind Sexton as my uh, super sixth man coming off the bench for this uh, Philadelphia oh, 76ers team. Because that's, yeah, that's what I think he is. I don't think he's a point guard. He's a microwave off-the-bench guy. I think so. He does, you know, yeah. 4.4 assists, but the turnovers are high. He's, he doesn't look like a point guard. He lo- I'll tell you what, I watch him and I, I see a better Lou Williams. But he's 6'2". Oh, geez, that's short. Yeah, I see a better Lou Williams, and Lou, Lou Williams had a heck of a career. Yeah, no, no shame in that, but you probably aren't taking Lou Williams in the top, you know, fifteen picks generally. I don't know. You can draft pretty specific at this point if you're Philadelphia. I would not mind Sexton as a big time scorer off the bench. Have you watched? Uh, have you watched Trey Young at all? Because he's really one of this year's breakout players. I have not. I have not seen any of them. He's got one of the weirdest three-point shots that I've seen. I, I, I can't draft him because of his three-point shooting, but he's averaging like 28 points a game, 8.6 assists for a good Oklahoma team, playing incredibly well as a freshman, two, over two he's been, steals a game. But God, his shot's so ugly. Yeah, it is. But he's been, yeah, wow, 28 and 9. Jeez. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's fun though. I, you gotta love the random, like, like just out of their mind shooters like that. And Oklahoma might have a real. And he is a five star guy, isn't he? Yeah, big time recruit. 
Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. I just saw a shot for the first time. Oh, my God. <laughs> Horrible, right? Oof. That is not what you want. Like, it um, comes from his chin. Yeah, but hey, if it goes... People are hey, starting to throw around Steph Curry comparisons. And, uh, I've seen I, that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. He, the thing about Trey Young is, is he like a kind of like much better version of uh, Tyus Jones? No, Tyus Jones could never shoot like that. Well, that's what I'm saying, much better version. But he's he's Trey Young, six one, six two. He is slender built. He's never going to be strong. He's he looks not, like him for sure. He's not a big time athlete. He does have the hair that looks like Ty Jones, but he's never going to be an athlete. Like this is just. He is a shooter. That's that's what he does. Yeah. Hey. However, it gets down. It, the truth is, it it's a pretty quick release, though. I mean, that shot's going to get stuffed by anyone in the NBA that's in his face. But mm-hmm. dang, that's a it's a good quick little release. It's it's off. It's a weird shot. It doesn't make any sense to me as no. a fan. But you know, if it goes, it goes. He's a really, really fun college player. I just don't know. I, I would be terrified to pick him in the lottery if I was an NBA team. I feel like it could either be an unbelievable splash or just a huge disaster, and there's no exactly. real middle ground. Yeah, exactly. He's he's going to be like a Steph Curry-ish player in the NBA if it works out, or he's going to be out of the NBA in two years if it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not really what you want. <laughs> well, high upside, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, a lot of basketball talk, and but we got to hit football real quick. This yeah. is a w- weird, weird day in football, aren't you? Uh, let's let's start with the Giants. This is this is kind of crazy. This is like as blatant tanking as I've ever seen in football. Um, as the story goes, the Giants went to Eli Manning and said, "Hey, you know." Do you want to start? And he said no. And uh, they're going to go with Geno Smith, at quarterback, after Manning declines the option to start. Uh, well, I, just, I don't know what I feel, how I feel about this. To clarify, they basically said, hey, we're going to give Geno and possibly Davis Webb snaps. Uh-huh. Do you still want to start to maintain your streak, Okay, your, your consecutive game started streak? And he okay, apparently was like, didn't know that. Yeah, he apparently was like, "No, I'm not going to do that. That's ridiculous." And it is. Um, and then they interviewed him, and he's been emotional about it for good reason. And you know, I, I mean, I'm not sure really what to think of this. On one hand, like the Giants are out of it, obviously, and have long yeah. been out of it. But it's not like you're. I mean, the mis- the message you're sending your team is, hey, we're not playing to win with our best players. That's one thing. Right. But on the other hand, you know, if you're the Giants, A, you need to look at your future, potentially. I don't think Geno Smith is that. Exactly. Exactly. Davis Webb might be a part of that. And more importantly, Eli Manning's injury, if Eli Manning gets injured, that removes any possibility of trading him, which I think is certainly – that could definitely get you some value down the line. Um, and so, yeah, that's what bothered me though. Like if they're good, this is, it's tanking, call it what it is. It's tanking because if you're going to go to Davis Webb and you say, Oh, we want to see what Davis Webb has. That's one thing. But everyone in the NFL knows what Geno Smith is. 
There is no no mystery to uncover here. Geno Smith is a, no. a fringy, very fringy backup quarterback in the NFL. Oh, he's so terrible. This is trying to lose. That is, you know, at least if you're gonna try to lose, go with Davis Webb. Yeah, I no, I totally agree with that. I really don't get why you go to Geno here. There's literally no upside to starting Geno. I mean, unless. McAdoo really thinks that Geno's better than Eli right now, which I can't imagine, but McAdoo has had some very questionable decisions here this season. And yeah. I don't know. It, I, it's a, it's like I throw around the word bizarre a lot. This is <laughs> a really freaking bizarre situation. So I have no idea what to make of it. And I do not get how Geno ever gets a chance to start really in this league again. But especially, like, in this scenario, it just makes absolutely no sense. So I agree. Like, if it was Davis Webb, I'd just kind of say, like, all right, I get it. But this is this is worse than Peterman over Tyrod. Yeah, well, over in Jacksonville, former head coach Tom Coughlin uh, is, v- oh, yeah. quote, very upset about this when he heard Eli wasn't going to be the guy anymore. Does this just make too much sense not to happen? Do Does, does uh, the Giants ship... Eli over to the Jaguars this offseason and let Eli be a bridge guy for whoever the next quarterback is in Jacksonville? Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense, but I also think it's a shame they didn't just do it earlier this year. Agreed. I mean, Jacksonville is here right now competing for a playoff spot. I think you throw Eli on that team and they become more interesting, certainly. And, you know, I I mean, it just doesn't make – it's just a shame because – I mean, I think at some point you want to do like your like the servicemen proud, you know, like you mm-hmm. like Eli has gone through it with them. And I, granted, they've stuck with Eli through some of his faults, too. But he's gotten you two Super Bowls like this is doing him pretty dirty. And so, I, I mean, I, I I think they should have just dealt him like the season was over, essentially. Mm-hmm. I, and now this is just rubbing salt in the mood. You almost should just release him and give the Jacksonville that chance. But I'm not even sure Jacksonville would get the chance to claim him. Right. Right. No, absolutely. Cause he's a, if nothing else, Eli Manning's a valuable chip. He's not going to get to Jacksonville. Like nope. he might, he it, might not get past Cleveland. He might not. I mean, if you're Cleveland, why honestly, wouldn't you? I, why wouldn't I bet you they would because Sashi knows, I mean, Sashi's probably gone this off season, but he knows what he's doing. All he's doing is, you know, this is basically Brock Osweiler again. He's absorbing salary to to get a, a draft pick. Yep, exactly. I mean, he wouldn't be. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, you'd probably throw him in right away and let your kids. You know, I don't know. Who knows? I don't think they would ever play him because Sashi also knows he gets hurt. He no longer has value in trade. But true. But so that's think... where I guess it makes sense if the Giants wanted to hold him and then deal him because there's no question in my mind they could get picks for Eli Manning for sure. For sure, you know, not not premium picks, but you can certainly get some value there. You could get a conditional, you know, I mean, you can put all kinds of conditions on it. If Eli starts sixteen games for you next year, well, if he's you know he's or fourteen games for you, he's you know that pick goes from a five to a three or something. That's okay, that's, that's fine value. with me. Yeah, yeah, that's fine with me. I just didn't think you were going to go one or two for for a thirty six no, year old Eli. Maybe a two, like a conditional, like it would have to. He wins the Super Bowl for your team, yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, look, we're we're not even one year removed from him leading a Giants team, a very interesting Giants team, into the playoffs last year. He loses Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard for the majority of the year. You know, Brandon Marshall is supposed to be his number two. Yeah, the the running backs were all over the place. Perkins, Gallman, you know, 
Engram obviously became better. I just like I I don't say this often, but I think Eli got a majorly raw deal this Agreed. year. Agreed, but it's good for me because uh, this NFC East being a disaster just makes things easier for my Philadelphia Eagles, who can actually <laughs> clinch the division with a Washington win over Dallas this Thursday night. There you go. Pretty impressive. Be- they've looked before playing. They've looked every bit game. the I NFC like it. favorite. I like this. I'm actually uh, going to be watching a game at uh, the ESPN Zone. Okay. Hey, if anybody's out there in Florida, come feel free to hang out with me at the ESPN Zone at Disney. Uh, and, uh, to watch that oh week, watch that week sixteen game. Nice at a normal time for you. Yeah, and you would also be hanging out with my girlfriend's father and brother. So be prepared for that. But <laughs> you're welcome to hang out. Um, speaking of tanking, the, uh, the Arizona Cardinals say Blaine Gabbert could be their starter in 2018, assuming Carson Palmer retires. And this was said with a straight face by Bruce. <laughs> Blaine Gabbert's not been terrible this year. I'm just yeah, saying. that's high praise. Yeah, I, you're right. Uh, I mean, but he hasn't been that bad. Like, I was looking through his numbers. It, he's not been good or anything, but uh-huh. not terrible, right? Two starts, five touchdowns, 500 yards. He does have the three picks. Not what you want there, but I don't get why he wasn't starting right away over Stanton. He's definitely better, and he looked good in the preseason, too. And let's not act like this guy has no talent. It, I, I actually like I, I respect Bruce Arians. I think that he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And you know, I, I mean, I could see, I could definitely see this being the case next year where he goes in as a starter. I mean, I definitely think they draft somebody, but you know, I think it makes quite a bit of sense. I'll tell you what: who makes so much sense for that Arizona team with Arians, assuming Arians is still there. I don't get it. I don't like it. I think Josh Allen makes a lot of sense for what they want to do. Oh, wow. Josh Allen? That that big, strong-armed quarterback that B.A. loves. Wow. Over Josh Rosen. Interesting. Well, I'm not, I don't, I don't not think they pick number one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Rosen Darnold off the board in this scenario. But, but uh, yeah, I think they're going to be, what, like eight, something like that. Josh Allen makes uh, – it's an interesting fit for them. I don't like. I said I don't like it. I, it doesn't make sense. Uh, <laughs> Arizona's actually picking yeah. thirteen right now. So okay, yeah. I mean, I think Darnold makes a lot of sense. Maybe it's just because I've got Carson Palmer vibes. But you're right. Actually, Allen is more the prototypical Arians type than uh, than someone like Darnold or right. you know Mayfield and, or something. And Darnold won't be there. And he won't be there, right? I mean, Mayfield, maybe. Mayfield kind of makes sense in that they were kind of infatuated with uh, with Mahomes last year. Mayfield's smaller, isn't he? He's small. I mean, Mayfield's was, he's going to be like six foot to Mahomes six two, but but yeah, I mean, he's that similar kind of like like Brett Farvey, just kind of improv, you know, improvate. Oh my God, words are hard. Improvisational <laughs> quarterback. <laughs> It's yeah, not, I could see that, but Josh Allen is certainly more Carson Palmer than and than Baker I think Mayfield. Allen, is. No doubt, and I think that with Gabbert, you've got your bridge to Allen. Yeah, you also have your bridge to a top five pick in twenty nineteen. True, and maybe Bruce Arians never sees that era, the Allen era. You know, yeah, I don't know, but that would be a an interesting fit. I, I do not like Josh Allen, but. 
I, I Matt had him in Matt Miller this time had him in his his top ten in the latest mock draft. So Matt Miller has been very stubbornly into the whole Josh Allen thing. I don't. I do not get it. I well, think that's, he... that's Matt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's Matt. Matt Matt makes a decision, and that's Matt's decision. I like it. That's all right. Stick with it if that's how you feel. You know, but I, I just don't know. I just it doesn't make sense to me that teams actually buy into that. But it's not just Miller that's saying that. It's also DJ uh, Jeremiah at NFL.com mm-hmm. has heard the same thing that you know even midway through the season that Allen was still you know a top ten type guy in this year's draft for most for personnel men. I don't know if that's some smoke screening or what, but I just yeah. can't imagine it having watched a little bit of them. Yeah, the way people talk, we're going to see five quarterbacks picked in the top 15, and that's absurd to me. I just can't, like, name the teams. Who, who's doing uh, All right, so Cleveland's certainly a possibility. The Giants, certainly a possibility. Denver, certainly a possibility. The Colts, certainly a possibility. Uh, Ooh, the, ja- really? the Jets, I mean, there's some talk that Andrew Luck's never going to play again. I don't think they take a quarterback in the first round, though. They've got too much committed to him. Okay, that's fine. The Jets, certainly a possibility. Yep, Arizona. Uh, Arizona, certainly a possibility. And then, you know, Washington minus Kirk Cousins, certainly a possibility. Damn, that's pretty good. (laughs) That's a lot of teams. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I I don't think Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, and Josh Allen are top 15-ish players. Maybe Mayfield, but I don't know. The quarterbacks get picked very high in the NFL draft, and things get weird. Yes, this could be hey, one of those weird years for sure. How much Notre Dame have you watched this year? Uh, not too much recently. I mean, they've been kind of out of sight, out of mind. I, I watched the Chain Gang game, which was just hysterical to me. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm interested in this Quentin Nelson kid. Everybody talks about him like he's the best guard in the last couple of years. And uh, oh, you're talking about basketball yeah i'm not talking football okay best offensive best guard. guard oh okay all right all right yeah yeah quentin nelson is six five three thirty and i just i with how highly i mean i've seen mocks that had him as high as four is i just want to know i need to talk to a football guy maybe i need to maybe i need to send a message over to, to matt or or maybe i'll get resident expert alex kavtov on the line <laughs> But I want to yeah. know. Can, I want to know if Quentin Nelson can play right tackle. Okay, is he, he's playing tackle right now, isn't he? Yeah, I mean in the NFL. Oh, okay. Because I don't, I don't oh. buy Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown does not. He looks like he, Orlando Brown looks like the Duke Robinsons of the world. Who uh, <laughs> just I don't think he's going to have the athletic ability to stay at tackle, even right tackle. So he's a jumbo guard until he's out of the NFL. Okay, yeah, I have to uh, dive into my offensive lineman scouting, but yeah, I, have, I have not gotten there yet. I I know six so five, little about the NFL draft. 6'5", six, 330 six, for Quentin Nelson. So that's I that size could play a tackle for sure. I agree, but I uh, well, you know I feel like this is just going to be me and you saying I don't really know back to each yeah. other. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's true. And it's I got every as every year passes as I get further away from having dealt with the NFL site every day, I just know nothing about the draft anymore. We'll get there. There's a, you gotta just wing it there at the end. I keep telling myself that I'm gonna force myself to do to do rankings for the website, 
just so I, I maintain that knowledge going into the draft. Because, you know, the draft's a heck of a lot more fun when you, you have that oh, more yeah. intimate knowledge of the players rather than just seeing a guy picked and having to go onto your favorite website to figure out what kind of player they are. Yeah, absolutely. It's It'll be... We'll get into it once this glorious college football season ends and Wisconsin's left holding the big trophy. Yeah. Well, the 49ers finally make the right decision, Mr. Kana, and they're going to Garoppolo as their starter this week. Yep. Did you see the uh, the end of that game? He just randomly comes in, tosses a touchdown at the very end. So it's like, yeah, of course he did. Kind of, a, kind of ill-advised throw, it looked like to me, but it worked out for him. <laughs> I mean... He's he's, I've been I gotta tell you I've been impressed with Bathard like uh-huh. he's especially lately he's he uh, he's not a bad player like I I, mm-hmm. I mean he's definitely a guy you could start on a terrible team but and I I kind of understand where like Kyle Shanahan and and Lynch were John Lynch were coming from and saying like hey you know we traded up for this guy we. Mm-hmm. We kind of like him. We're not totally sold that he's not our quarterback of the future. Like, I just think they were just trying to be good to the guy. Honestly, like he, yeah. he's probably done a lot of good work for them and all that. But look, Jimmy Garoppolo, you just got to play him. We talked about it a lot last week. You got to get at least three or four games of watching this guy to decide. I mean, first of all, it sounds like they're going to franchise him, which I'm stunned by. Yeah, me too. But, I heard that today. Yeah. But it, it even if they don't, if they don't, you know, maybe three or four games is enough to, to decide on your end to to sign him on the cheap for long term, right? Like, I mean, you would never do that with Bathard, but you could potentially do it with Garoppolo if you if you see a couple of good games out of him. Yeah. Well, how many games has Garoppolo played in his career now? So he has played four, three or four. Uh, that's what I thought too. So Bethard is actually Bethard is actually the more experienced of the two in the NFL. <laughs> Bethard's played. What he started three? He's probably started three, right? Bethard started. I think he's started more than that. Really? Let's see. Let's see. C.J. Bethard has. Uh, Pro Football Reference has C.J. Bethard as one and four as a starter. Okay, there you go. Five starts probably came in the. End of the game before he that. Played too. in seven. Played in seven. One and four as a starter. Okay. Yeah, so he's, he, he's the experienced guy. <laughs> he might be as old as Jimmy Garoppolo too. Yeah. No, he's. Yeah, you're right though. He looks. He has the makings of a good-looking backup quarterback. Yeah, exactly. There's something to be said about that. I mean, we can't Agreed. all have quarterbacks of the future stars. You know. Can't all have Carson Wentz. That's right. Or <laughs> number twelve in green and gold. Just wait till he comes back. Who? Is that Hunley? <laughs> no, that's number seven. Unfortunately, that's Hun- Hunley seventeen, isn't he? Seven. Is he seven? I mean, obviously, I, I trust you. You you certainly would know. That. All right, you got was me he... questioning myself now. I think he was seventeen at UCLA. At UCLA for sure. Hunley, you're right. Hunley seven. He. I, I must oh, be getting God. my seventeen from UCLA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, you do, in fact, yeah, know the number. Both, right? You know the number of your starting quarterbacks. So I, yeah. I wasn't. I didn't think I, I was going to win did. that. Yeah, he is uh, not lived up to expectations. No, he was. He was a lot better last week. 
I mean, a lot better, but that bar was fairly low. So, yeah. oh, God, he's just – it's just such a disaster for a team that was looking like this would have been the perfect year for them to just cruise into the playoffs and see what mm-hmm. happened against your boys and just let it all hang out. And now, you know, you got to scramble and hope to go run the table in the last five games. It's not – not what you saw after a four and one start. So last thing I want to talk about here is the abrupt retirement of one Darren McFadden, who was waived two days ago by the Cowboys decides I'm done and just calling it a career. Yeah. That's kind of surprising. I mean, right? we were thinking maybe a month ago that this might've been a guy that actually influenced the course of the season. Yeah. So that's especially that, with this, I, the suspension. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's uh, it's not not great. It's I'm sure that he went on waivers and then you know once he goes on waivers and nobody picks him up and he clears them, it's kind of like that's the moment where you're like, all right, that's. Enough. Is it possible I've, I've he enough. didn't clear waivers? Have we Ooh. heard for a fact that he did clear waivers? Because I'm thinking Wouldn't maybe we he know. Maybe he got. I mean, yeah, but I also haven't heard that he cleared waivers, right? So is I mean, it po- is it possible that he gets picked up by somebody and just doesn't want to go there and he's just never mind? You think the Browns picked him up or something and he didn't want to go? Well, I don't think he's going to. He would have gone to Cleveland, but I don't. I don't know. Like it was waived by the Cowboys, running back to be waived, to be waived, waived. I have. I see nothing. I'm finding nothing about clearing waivers. Is that even a thing? Like it doesn't say. That's not like an official transaction that Darren McFadden has cleared waivers, is it? Well, he would be... You would hear about it, though, because then he's a, he's a free agent and free to sign with anybody. Hmm. I don't know. This I'm just saying. Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. Interesting to think about. Weird thing to have happened. Darren McFadden, who I thought was going to, play, like you said, play a big part with, with Zeke suspended, finishes his season with one carry for negative two yards. Yeah, that's... Uh... Man, that's really tough. I, I, I really thought he was going to be good this year, honestly, because I figured Zeke was going to be out for six. And then McFadden actually played quite a bit in the preseason, and it looked like he was going to have a prominent role. But I guess not. In the uh, in the game of football, Mr. Kana, you just never know. Sometimes a 28-year-old, uh, tw- whatever, 30-year-old running back just decides to retire. and uh, Yeah. It happens. Uh, but you know what else is going to retire? us for the week that's been the <laughs> underdog episode number 48 nice just like elite segue right there <laughs> oh yeah i've been uh, i've been going to classes that's underdog number 48 i'm chris forward he's on chukana thanks for listening please 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 pretty please continue to rate review and uh, do all that other good stuff over on itunes to help us out not only our show but uh, you know all the shows on the network that you may enjoy listening to thanks so much and we'll see you back here next week